0: And we're going to talk today about a burning passion for the Lord. We talked about this last week, and this is part two of a series. I told you last week it's not a series yet. Now it is. A burning passion. Last week we talked about it, and I mentioned to you that I believe a burning passion is a strong love or desire for someone or something that consumes you and causes you to act a certain way. We read Matthew twenty two thirty seven, 37, and we're going to read it again this morning. Matthew 23, 37, Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. In other words, Jesus is saying, You can wrap it all up, and you need to love the Lord with everything you are. Your heart, your mind, your soul, and another scripture says even your strength. That's everything, guys. That's passion. I told a story last week. I'm going to share it again for those of you who weren't there. We were on a weekend uh, father-son event. I went with my son, and while we were there, there was a gentleman who was talking to Uh, My son and he had his son with him. And uh, they got talking about tech and gaming. And he told us, he said, You know, I used to game almost 12 hours a day. He was passionate about gaming. He said, I had a chair and the computer there and I would game. He said, I was pretty close to the top uh, person in one of the games. And he said, And then I got a girlfriend and we set up another computer and a chair beside him. We would game together. And he's telling him, like, man, this guy had a lot of passion. He said, Oh, and uh, my son, we named him after my character in the game. I was like, This guy was passionate about gaming. He said, And I have a daughter too. We named her after my wife's character in the game. Now, you might be saying, That is way over the top passion for game. He told my son, He said, I wasn't saved at the time. He said, I don't game 12 hours a day anymore said, I like gaming, and I do two or three hours a week. But church, what kind of passion must somebody have to spend 12 hours a day at something in a chair and then name their kid after something in it? That's some serious passion. You and I need to have that kind of passion for what God has asked us to do. Because that kind of passion will take you far. Last week, we mentioned that passion can be lost. Passion can grow cold. We talked about how would you know if you lost your passion or it was getting low. And I said clearly, you can know if you've lost your passion for the Lord Jesus if you no longer care about lost people on their way to hell. If you never think about it and you don't really care, I would say that your passion is low. Your fire may be close to going out if it hasn't already. Now, last week also, I shared a story about passion between couples because the natural passion in a relationship helps us understand the passion of the spiritual relationship we have with Jesus. And I shared with you when I first asked my wife if she'd date me with the thought of marrying, and I talked about how I was lovesick. But if you want to hear that story, I'm not going to tell it. We talked about if you've lost your passion, how do you get it back? Is it possible if you've never had a passion to get it? And the answer, of course, is yes. And we talked about a number of ways to get that fire burning again. And today I want to spend some time looking deeper at just one of those ways. And the way that we first talked about Was to get that passion burning again, you're going to need to lay aside every extra weight and any sin that trips you up. It comes from Hebrews 12 and verse 1, and it says it like this Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You see, extra weight and sin will kill passion every time. You have to deal with both or you will run the risk of being put out of the race early. You see, the things of God must be most important to us. Are they important to you or have other things taken their place? Scripture tells us we should have no other gods before Him. But when we allow Other things to take his place, we become weighed down, and we must lay things aside. I want to look at a story in 2 Chronicles chapter 29, and then we're going to go a little more into laying aside weight and dealing with sin. But 2 Chronicles 29 is a story of a king, King Hezekiah, who begins to reign for God. And he wants to do what God wants. He's passionate. And in verse 3, we read this. In the very first month of the first year of his reign, Hezekiah reopened the doors of the temple to the Lord and repaired them. He summoned the priests and Levites to meet him at the courtyard east of the temple. He said to them, listen to me, you Levites. Purify yourselves. Purify the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary. Our ancestors were unfaithful and did, not, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They abandoned the Lord and his dwelling place. They turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the temple entry room and they snuffed out the lamps. They stopped burning incense and presenting burnt offerings at the sanctuary of the God of Israel. And Hezekiah continues, he says, "'That is why the Lord's anger "'has fallen upon Judah and Jerusalem. "'He has made them an object of dread, "'horror, and ridicule, "'as you can see with your own eyes. "'Because of this, our fathers "'have been killed in battle, "'and our sons and daughters and wives "'have been captured. "'But now I will make a covenant with the Lord, "'the God of Israel, "'so that His fierce anger will turn away from us. "'My sons, do not neglect your duties any longer.'" The Lord has chosen you to stand in his presence, to minister to him and to lead the people in worship and present offerings to him. So Hezekiah has made up his mind, we're going to do this God's way, we're going to do it right. He opens up the temple again, he asks the priest to clean it, get things ready. It takes them 16 full days to clean things up and get things ready. And then... He calls together the leaders and the ministers. Second Chronicles 29 and verse 20. It says, early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials, the leaders, and went to the temple of the Lord. He then called the Levites or the ministers, and he said, start those fires again. We're going to do sacrifice. We're going to light the lampstand.'" And if you read, and I actually encourage you to read this chapter and write on into the next chapter when you have time. That's 2 Chronicles chapter 29. They get the fire going again and they have some music and worship and uh, Hezekiah speaks. They were having church. They do some offerings and then they do some more offerings. There was a lot of offerings going on in the temple in those days. It hadn't been done for a long time. But interestingly, Hezekiah began it by calling leaders and ministers. And he called them and he said, let's get together early in the morning. I remember traveling with a minister from Saskatchewan, and we actually helped him with his church there in Saskatchewan. And he would tell me, okay, here's what we're going to do. When we're not traveling out, every time we're home at the church... I need you to meet me at 7 o'clock in the morning at the church, and we're going to pray for an hour. And every morning when he was there, we went to the church, and we prayed at 7 o'clock. Early in the morning, there's something about early. There's something about giving him your best. There's something about giving him your first part of the day. Now, I realize if you work shift work, your early is different than mine. But early just means your first. The first time of your day, give it to him. So Hezekiah calls them earlier, they get together in the temple, they burn the offerings, they give to the Lord, and then it said they come out and the people came and began to give. Hezekiah tells all the people, you can come, we're going to have the Passover celebration, come and bring your offerings And It turns that it went from a temple that was closed down to in a matter of days an overflow of abundance and people serving God like never before. As a matter of fact, there was so much abundance, they started piling it in piles. Because you see, when they offered to God, they brought their produce, they brought their animals to offer, their grain, their wheat, and those tithes and offerings that they would give would feed all the ministers, the Levites. The Levites had no land, so they only lived by what came in. There was such abundance, Hezekiah said, why is there piles of stuff all over the place? They told him why, and he said, well, I guess you have to build a place to store it, because God is overflowing with abundance. But it all started with Hezekiah having a passion to do what God wanted and passing it on to leaders and ministers. Church, this is important for us. If we don't have a passion for what God's doing here, nobody else will. If we think something's a waste of time, so will everybody else. If we are not on fire and passionate about what God has called us to, nobody else will. If we're just doing the motions, nobody wants to be there. Passion begins with leadership and moves on. Make sure your fire's burning hot. Make sure you're in a place where you can hear from the Lord for direction. If we're going to make decisions for the Lord, we're definitely going to need to be in a place where we're hearing from Him, where we are committed and a part of this church. God's place where His presence dwelt was supposed to have its lamps burning continually. The fire on the altar was supposed to burn offerings continually, and the worshipers were supposed to worship continually did you know that we read about this in the old testament david when he set up or brought the ark of god to where he was ruling and that at that time it was in a tent type structure that had tent frames around and it was a tent building where the candlestick was and the ark of the covenant altar of incense table of showbread all these things were there gold walls David established then that there would be worship happening continually. Whether there were people there or not, there would be worship. And obviously they would take shifts. But not only that, the golden candlesticks, there was a candlestick made, it had a center point with a candle and three on each side, making seven candles burning. It was to burn continually and it would reflect off the gold wall behind it in light. The tent, and then later light the space in Solomon's temple, which was a building. They were to burn continually. I want to tell you something about the fire. First, I want to tell you that the fire that burned continually was initially ignited by God Himself, it was supernatural. They didn't rub two sticks together, God supernaturally ignited. The fire. Leviticus 9 and 24, we can read that. This was the first temple that Moses uh, got set up, and this was their initial time. And it said, fire blazed from the Lord's presence and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. When the people saw this, they shouted with joy and fell face down on the ground. Well, can you imagine if you're praying and all of a sudden fire comes from heaven and it burns? But the cool thing is that that fire would continue because they were supposed to give sacrifice. But I want to look at Solomon's temple as well to show you that the fire came from God again. God ignites passion. I want you to get this in your spirit. You can't fake it. You can't make up some kind of passion. God ignites it. But then I'll tell you something else very important. 2 Chronicles 7 verse 1. When Solomon finished praying, Fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offering and sacrifice, and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. God ignites the flame, but there's something you need to know about passion. There's something you need to know about a burning fire even of the Holy Spirit. God ignites it, but you are responsible to keep it burning. Exodus 29 and 38 It says, these are the sacrifices you are to offer regularly on the altar each day. Offer two lambs that are a year old. One in the morning, the other in the evening. This would guarantee that the fire never went out on the altar. You see, they had multiple sacrifices coming in from people and different things. But even if no other sacrifice came in, the smoldering fire would continue. Because morning and evening, they would continually give a sacrifice. God ignited it but they were responsible to keep it burning. As well, there was a lampstand that needed to continually burn. Let me read you that scripture, Leviticus 24 and verse 2. And I'll explain why I'm talking about this. Maybe some are like, I don't want to hear about the old temple. Stick with me. You see, Old Testament has symbols and pictures that are relevant to us today for our spiritual lives. And when you grasp them, sometimes you get a picture that becomes alive and real. Leviticus 24:2 Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Outside the veil of the testimony in the tabernacle of meeting, Aaron shall be in charge of it from evening till morning before the Lord continually. And it shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lampstands before the Lord continually. They were supposed to keep burning, but how are they going to keep burning? It was Aaron's responsibility. God ignites the fire. You and I are responsible to keep it burning. Now, obviously, this is a picture in the Old Testament, and maybe you're thinking, well, are you sure? Let me give you some New Testament. In 2 Timothy 1 and verse 6, Paul is talking to Timothy, and he says, remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. The Holy Spirit ignited a spiritual gift in Timothy, but it was his responsibility to fan it into flame. In other words, he hadn't been using it and his passion was low. He was responsible to fan it into flames. We talk about the flame and the fire. And remember the first story that I began with in Second Chronicles of Hezekiah opening the doors again? He had to reopen the doors because the king before him had closed them. The king before him had decided church, the temple was no longer needed. But let me read from 2 Chronicles 28 just so you get a little bit of a picture of this previous king. His name was Ahaz, and it says he offered sacrifices to the gods of Damascus who had defeated him. And he said, Since these gods helped me, the king helped the kings of Aram, they will help me too if I sacrifice to them. But instead, they led to his ruin and the ruin of all Judah. The king took the various articles from the temple of God and broke them in pieces. He shut the doors to the Lord's temple so that no one could worship there. And he set up altars to a pagan god in every corner of Jerusalem. What happened? I read a little more on this story. I want to know what happened to this king. You see, this king decided he didn't want to follow God's ways and he wanted to do what others were doing. He lived in sin and then when he had a problem, oh my gosh, there's an army coming. He's praying, asking God to help him and God didn't. You see, there are consequences to sin. You know, I find at times that Christians will do this. Well, I don't really want to follow what he said. I'm going to do my own thing. But boy, when I'm in trouble, oh, God, help me. How come you didn't help me? Obviously, you don't care. Or you're not real. I'm out of here. This, this guy was throwing a little bit of a temper tantrum. Let's be honest. Well, you didn't help me and those other guys won. And they pray to gods. So I guess I'll pray to their gods. He was trying to throw a little fit. And he just continued it. It became his ruin, but he didn't stop there. You see, obviously for that king, it was all about him and what he wanted. So he said, fine, I'm also going to shut up the doors of this temple. We're going to seal them so nobody else can go in there either. And you're going to put out that fire. Church, no matter where you're at, don't put somebody else's fire out. No matter what you think or feel, don't you dare put that on somebody else. I'm going to encourage you, don't do like Ahaz did. When things aren't working out, go to God with a humble heart and say, Lord, what is going on? Is there something in my life needs to be dealt with? Because I know you're good. I know you answer and it feels like I'm not seeing the answer. Go to him. When you go to him humbly, my goodness, he is right there ready and willing to do more for you. You see, we're responsible to keep the fire going. Ahaz was responsible to allow people to continue to worship and to keep that fire going. In Matthew 25, we read another story. Jesus is talking about a parable, and it has to do with fire once again, fire in their lamps. Matthew 25, verse 1. It says, The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. Now, their weddings were definitely different than what, how we do it today, but we still have a kind of a feel, don't we? We have an idea of how this is. These are part of that bridal party. Now, obviously, theirs was different, and they would get ready and prepared, and they would wait for the groom to come, and then he would give the call, and then he would bring them all in to the celebration. And in this story, they're waiting with their lamps... And five wise ones brought oil. In other words, they were prepared. They were ready. If this was going to take longer, they would be okay. You see, they had their tank filled up. Church, you need your passion level here, not here. Because if your passion level's here and it gets a little tough, you're gone. If your passion level's here and it takes a little longer than you expected, you're going to be out of gas. Who's ever run out of gas in your truck because you were sure you could make it? <laughs> Well, here's what happens. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't really need to pray. Ah, do I really need to go to church? Everything's good. And you don't realize, your tank's getting empty. Keep it filled. But the five wise had oil, and the five foolish brought no extra oil. Suddenly the bridegroom comes, and he gives the call. They're all supposed to go in, but to go in, they needed their lamps lit. And the five foolish had no oil. They had to go away to buy oil, and when they left, The others went in, and the door was closed. When they came back, there was no room for them. Jesus is telling a natural story to explain his spiritual kingdom, and he's telling you and I, you are responsible to keep the light burning. He ignited it, but you are responsible to keep it burning. Church, one of the most important And best things you can do to keep a fire burning is the thing I'm talking about today. You need to take care of the extra weight and any sin. Because extra weight and sin will destroy passion every single time. I'm going to tell you how to deal with both. I'm going to be wrapping it up probably in the next five minutes here. I'll be able to bring us to a close. And then we'll have some announcements. So, how do we deal with cares of the world, with extra weight? There's a couple of verses I'm putting together there. How do we deal with that so it doesn't put our passion out? Here's how you do it: You need to sit down, look at everything you do, and then decide what's most important. This is actually not that complicated, but often we don't do it. Once you've decided what is most important, and I'm talking to people, you feel your passion's low, you're feeling overwhelmed. You need to do this. You decide what's most important. You decide what isn't. And then you ask the Lord to say, what should I put aside? What should I actually take off? It is literal and it's important. You see, if you choose to continue to carry everything and you're overwhelmed and your passion's low, you will have happen what they call burnout. And burnout is a horrible place to go. You will wear out, run out, and there'll be nothing you can do. You have to put things aside, and here's the thing, you will have to even put good things aside so that you can do the great things that God has planned for you. You see, if you fill your life with mediocre things, you will never do the great thing God has, and this is the tough part about laying aside weight. Many of those things are good, and you know what? When you have gifts, when you're You've got things that God put in you. People recognize and they will ask you to do things. You're going to need to know, is it God saying carry this or is it somebody else? Even if it's good. And so church, here's what you'll need to know. Here's what you need to learn to do. This is complicated, so stick with me. You will need to say no. Okay, it's not Let's practice that. Are you ready? No church. You know, some people have a hard time saying no to anybody. But if you are to the limit, if your fire is low, you've got to say no. Say yes to the great things. Say no to what you don't need. Gotta look after it. I remember years ago, there was a situation, I'm going to try not to get you to figure it all out, but I remember someone asking me for money. And I would give them money, and then come again, they'd ask me for more money, and I'd give them more money. I remember thinking, what am I supposed to do? And my brother, who's passed on, he talked to me. He said, you know, you can say no, and they'll find somebody else. A light bulb went on, and I realized, oh, I'm supposed to give when I feel God leading me, not just every time someone pressures me. Because I was a nice guy, and I had a hard time saying no. I can say no now. Everybody knows who works with me. I know how now, but I didn't back then. Church, sometimes you've got to say no. All right, so that's the way you deal with extra weight. Honestly, look at your life, and I encourage you to do that this afternoon or sometime this week, and say, What can I put aside when you're feeling overwhelmed? Okay, how do we deal with sin? And I'm trying to bring this to a close. These are the two things that were in that scripture that kill passion. How do we deal with sin? Sin is dealt with by confessing it, turning from it, and asking Jesus to forgive. It is amazing how simple it is to deal with. You see, confessed sin that gets dealt with can't destroy you. Do you know how sin destroys people? If it's kept hidden. Because hidden sin will eat away and it will wipe you out. And you know, the devil will try to keep it hidden as long as he can because he knows that if you continue long enough, he'll have you. You'll do something that'll ruin you. Church, deal with sin by revealing it to someone you trust. Don't let it take you under. Have a person that you can trust and bring it to them. And obviously we can bring it to Christ and we should. But scripture says, confess your faults to one another. Why does he say that? Because church, you can... Talk to Christ about your sin and still keep it hidden from everybody and still not get free. And if you're struggling with some type of sin and you know you're not winning the battle, go to someone you trust and say, hey, I need some prayer. I need some help with this. I don't want it taking me out. That's how you deal with sin. You bring it to light with somebody you trust and who knows confidentiality, and then you deal with it. And yes, you go to Christ for that forgiveness, for that cleansing of your spirit. Sin must be dealt with. And obviously as we're talking about sin being dealt with, we understand that Christ forgives and his forgiveness is amazing and it is for anybody. And church, if you're here today and you've never asked Christ into your life to forgive you of all the past, you need to do that. If you've never asked him to make you new and to lead your life, you've got to do that. And I'm going to Make sure that there's no one here who hasn't said it yet. I'm going to ask us to repeat that prayer of asking Christ into our life. So if you'll bow with me, I just want you to repeat this after me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sin. You paid the price that I couldn't pay. I ask you now, forgive me of all sin. Set me free make me new. Amen. So I want to pray over the congregation that God will reveal any weight you need to let go of, and he'll give you courage if there's any sin you need to deal with. So we're going to pray that right now. Lord, I thank you for your people here. Every one of them has come because they love you. Every one of them has come. Maybe they were tired. Maybe it was even tough to get here, but they came because they love you. And Lord, I pray that no one would feel guilt No one would feel discouraged by the message, but that they would feel encouraged. And Lord, even now, reveal to each one if there is weight that they need to put aside. If there's something they need to let go of, reveal it to them now in Jesus' name. For some of you, something just dropped in your mind and you know you have to let that go. And maybe even something that's really good, but if it dropped in your mind, God is saying, let it go. And also, Lord, we want to pray for them if there is sin that's hidden that's slowly destroying anybody in this place, we say give people courage to bring it out to a trusted person that it can be dealt with once and for all. We thank you for this. We thank you. You're the forgiver. You're the healer. You're the one who sets free. We praise you now. In Jesus' name, amen.